0: Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. Before I continue, on July 26th at 3pm Mountain Standard Time, I'm hosting a Zoom history conference all about the 1913 White Hurricane in the Great Lakes. It's a really interesting story. It's a 45-minute conference and it costs $5 or free for my patrons. You can register for the conference by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking register. If you'd like to become a patron, you can, for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com CanadaEHX. There may be a misconception out there today that the Indigenous lived in teepees across Canada, that they were nomadic and did not live in large communities. This, to put it simply, is quite false. From what would be British Columbia all the way to the Maritimes, Larger communities have popped up and existed around the time that the Europeans began to arrive at the shores of what would one day be Canada. Today on the podcast, I'm looking at the two biggest and most important: Stadacona and Hochelaga. First, Stadacona, an Iroquois village. It is not known what year that community first sprang up, but it likely existed for at least a century by the time that Jacques Cartier arrived. At the time he arrived, its population was believed to be around 500 Indigenous. Located along the St. Charles River, its location would be well known to many Canadians today because it is right where Quebec City would be built. At the time of the arrival of Carche, Donacona was the chief of the village. Carche would set the stage for centuries of mistreatment of the Indigenous during that first visit to the community when he seized Donacona and several inhabitants. After he had placed a cross near the village, Cartier signaled to Donnacona that he wanted to trade with him on the ship. When Donnacona went aboard with his two sons, Cartier and his men seized them. Donnacona was able to negotiate with Cartier, allowing his sons to go with the explorer back to France for a year in exchange for not taking any other inhabitants. Cartier agreed to this. Cartier returned the next year, arriving on September 7th, with the sons, and he would record a word that would forever alter the history of Canada. During the visit, he recorded a word that the sons had used to refer to their home, calling it Kanata. That word, which he believed to mean the entire land, would morph over time and become Canada. There was an excellent Heritage Minute in the 1990s that highlighted this, which I will play here.
1: Cartier is saying, uh, this nation's name is Kanada. Uh, Kanada. Kanada. <laughs> uh, uh, beg, beg pardon sir, but the word he used,
0: I think it really means
1: those houses down there. No, no, believe me, I know the word. It means nation and Kanada is its name. But I'm sure it means the houses, the village.
0: Carche would stay over the winter at Statacona, and even though he had attempted to steal people, the people there still showed kindness. As Carche's men were starting to die from scurvy, the Iroquois people provided them with a vitamin-rich broth that helped cure the scurvy. Carche would write, For some lost all their strength, their legs became swollen and inflamed, and all had their mouths so tainted that the gums rotted away down to the roots of the teeth, which nearly fell out. The disease spread among the three ships to such an extent that in the middle of February, of the 110 men forming our company, there were not 10 in good health. The broth made by the indigenous was made from cedar leaves that were boiled. When offered to drink, Cartier's men refused to drink it at first, but were eventually convinced, and after two or three cups, were already feeling better. Cartier, who had been praying and ordered all his men to pray for a cure, And who had a figure of the Virgin Mary carried across the snow and placed against a tree? Well, when his men were cured, he didn't think it was the indigenous, he believed it was God. And he would write Must clearly be ascribed to miraculous causes. God, in His infinite goodness and mercy, had pity upon us. While European scientists would figure out what scurvy was and how to cure it, the indigenous of Staticona had a cure in the 1500s, thanks to the cedar broth loaded with vitamin C. Sadly, that same winter, 50 residents of Stadacona would die from diseases carried in by the Europeans. Cartier, as soon as the spring came, repaid the kindness of the people of the village by capturing Donacona, both of his sons and seven other residents of the village, and he took them back to France. Nine of the ten captured Iroquois would die in France, and the last surviving captured resident, would never return home. Cartier returned to Staticona five years later and found that the village was a shell of its former self. It is likely that the residents began to die from European diseases and with their chief and his sons now kidnapped, the residents were left to the mercy of their enemies. He would tell the residents that Donnacona had passed away, but all the others who were kidnapped were rich and happy. All lies, of course. It didn't matter. The residents didn't believe him, and the relationship soon soured. Jean-Francois Roboval arrived at the village shortly after Cartier and traded with the village despite the hostile feelings towards the French by the residents. By 1603 though, when the French returned to the site, the village was completely gone. On the site of the village, Samuel de Champlain would choose to establish La Habitation, which would eventually become Quebec City. As for Hochelaga, It is not known when the community was founded, but it is believed to be around 1200 AD. Also, the name may not actually be the name used by the indigenous. It is possible the name comes from the French corruption of the Iroquois name Osakir, which means Beaver Dam, or Oshiega, which means Big Rapids. And again, I apologize if I mispronounce anything here. This is likely since the village was located near the Lachine Rapids. The community was no small community either. It was surrounded by a large wooden palisade and had 50 houses made of wood and bark, and the population was estimated to be over 1,000 people, with some claiming it had as many as 3,000. Cartier would arrive at the village by boat on October 2nd, 1535. He had learned from the village of Donacana, but Donacana had discouraged Cartier from traveling to the west, and shamans warned him of devils in the west but Cartier did not listen. According to Cartier, the chief and his men attempted to keep the French from journeying up the river in a unique way. Cartier would write, They dress up three men as devils, arraying them in black and white dogskins, with horns as long as one's arm, and their faces colored black as coal, and unknown to us, put them into a canoe. Cartier was warned that the god Kadonye, as well as three Christian deities, had announced at Hochelaga that, in the words of Cartier, there would be so much ice and snow that all would perish. With Donacana's sons as guides, now remember this is before he kidnaps everybody and takes them to France to die, and with Carce leaving men in the village in return, he had set out to find Hoshalega. Upon his arrival, he would write, And on reaching Hoshalega, there came to meet us more than 1,000 persons, men, women, and children, who gave us a good of a welcome as ever father gave to his son making great signs of joy for the men danced in one ring, the women in another, and the children also apart by themselves. The Indigenous threw corn, bread, and fish into the boats of Karche, with Karche writing, throwing so much of it into our longboats that it seemed to rain bread. He and his men had arrived 11 kilometres upriver, and the next day walked a well-worn path towards the community. Upon arrival, he saw the community was surrounded by hills and fields of corn. Feeling that the community was more impressive than Staticona, he would write, And here within the countryside is situated and sits the said town of Hochelaga, near and joining a mountain that is, around it, plowed and very fertile, from on top of which one can see very far. He would name the mountain Mount Royal, in honour of King Francis I of France. During his visit in the community, he would also write, The said town is all in a circle, enclosed in wood in three ranks, in the manner of a pyramid, crossed at the top, having a row perpendicular to all. In this town, there is only one door and entrance. There are within this town roughly 50 houses. The palisade that protected the community had a middle row that was upright, while the inner and outer rules inclined towards it, braced with horizontal beams. According to Cartier, the houses were 15 metres in length and 3.5 to 4.5 metres in width, made of wood and were covered in bark that was sewn together. The palisade, as I mentioned, was made up of three rows of wooden stakes driven into the ground, each 15 meters high and intertwined using sections of bark and large trees. Within the village, there were many longhouses which Karche described as such. In each one of them, there are several hearths and several rooms. Karche described the upper floor of these longhouses being used for storing food and smoked fish. The people of the village were very welcoming to Cartier, and marveled at him and his men and their strange appearance. He would write, they showed joy, danced, and performed various antics. After a tour of the village, he was then taken up to the top of Mount Royal, writing in his description that the mountain was distant from the village by about a quarter league. We can see the said river, other than where we left our boats, where there is a rapid. The most dangerous is given to see one which is not possible for us to pass. Unlike with Staticona, Garche did not attempt to kidnap anyone and would leave the area, riding later, We withdrew to our boats, not without a great number of the said people, a part of which, that when they saw our people tired, took them upon ourselves as on a horse and carried them. He was unable to go any farther because of the rapids, ending his hopes of seeing if the St. Lawrence River led to the Pacific Ocean. Spoiler, it did not. When Cartier returned to the island in 1541, he does not mention the town, and it is believed it had been conquered and destroyed through war, although there are several theories for its disappearance. One is the aforementioned war, another is migration west towards the shores of the Great Lakes, but another theory put forward, and that is likely, was that it was abandoned after a cycle of land exhaustion. On the location of Hochelaga, a small village named Ville-Marie. Would be founded in 1642 but over time the residents began to use the name of the island for the colony name. The name of the island was the island of Montreal and so the two most important cities in Quebec and in Canada are built on two former communities of the Iroquois who lived there when the Europeans arrived. One interesting aspect of the village is that some believe it was just a myth because no real physical evidence of the village has been found, which I personally feel is unlikely, and it pushes a European-centric view that the Indigenous could not have had such a complex settlement. The fact is that Cartier wrote about the village following his second trip and presented it to the King of France. A detailed plan of the village was also drawn up years later by Giacomo Gastelidi, and it was titled Of Navigation and Travel. It is likely, based on archaeological studies, that Hochelaga ceased to exist between 1541 and 1603, when Samuel de Champlain arrived. Most likely, it saw its last resident around 1580. That's not to say that the story of Hochelaga was lost for those centuries. French settlers met with indigenous people in 1642 and were given a grand tour following a religious festival in the area. Father Bartholomew Vamont would write, We visited the great forest which covers this island, and when we had been led to the mountain, from which it takes its name, two of the chief savages of the band stopped on its summit, and told us they belonged to the nation of those who had formerly dwelt on the island. Then, stretching out their hands towards the hills that lie to the east and south of the mountain, there, they said, are places where stood villages filled with great numbers of savages. The Hurons, who then were our enemies, drove our forefathers from this country, they said, Some went towards the country of the Algonquin, others towards the country of the Iroquois, some to the Hurons themselves and joined them. And that is how this island became deserted. In 1860, construction at McGill University in the area of Sherbrooke Street would result in many indigenous objects being found, including pottery and tools. These items were found to date from the Carche era, and Sir John Dawson, the principal of McGill, stated that Hoxelaga had been found. Others would theorize that Hochelaga was located elsewhere in the area, near a flat area between Mount Royal Cemetery and Maplewood Avenue. In this video from the Montreal Gazette, amateur historian Donald Weidman talks about where he thinks Hochelaga may have been.
1: I'm here to show you the site where Jacques Cartier landed on October 3rd, uh, 1535, on the morning of. Uh, Many believe that he went up the Rivière des Prairies which is this river right here. Most believe he went another way, which is the um, St. Lawrence River, that way. But I'm here to show you the spot where I believe he landed just around the corner the the Millil River uh, on the other side of and that's you But ultimately, the only thing we really have left from Cartier is his words. So if you read the words closely, follow the rivers, follow the geography, follow Canadian history, and especially what will become the fur trade, you'll find that Jacques Cartier actually describes this, this little inlet right here, the calm water. It's the calm water that he's looking for because he wants, to, he wants to go to sleep for the night. If he parks his boat out there, chances are he's going to wake up the next morning in Quebec City. The first point, by, land, by pointing that he landed here, that what this will do is leads us 12 kilometers west of here to, to Old Saint-Francois, which I believe is the site of the village of Hochelaga, and also what was actually called by Jacques Cartier Mount Royal. Mount Royal in Montreal is not the Mount Royal that Jacques Cartier described. By following from this spot and following what Jacques Cartier describes, including distances and landscapes, farmland, uh, mountain slopes, uh, Mount Royal was that way in the middle of the island of Laval. Today, a huge, deep, deep quarry. Uh, French Canadians, the people of New France have been quarrying on this island for 300 years. The person that this park is named after, Olivier Charbonneau, Yes, he was a farmer, but ultimately he was a stone cutter. so there was uh, a, a huge mountain that is now the, the base of railway tracks, roads, uh, the base of the Jacques Cartier Bridge. The stone comes from Saint-Francois-Laval.
0: Whatever the real story is, both of these communities served as important meeting places and habitations for likely several generations of indigenous of the area and upon their ruins, two of Canada's most important cities would be built. I hope you enjoyed that look at Staticona and Hochelaga, and if you did, please give a rating and review. You can reach me at craig at canadaehx.com, you can find hundreds of articles on Canada's history at canadaehx.com, and you can be a patron at patreon.com canadaehx. Information comes from the Canadian Encyclopedia, this is Canadiana, Canada's History, Wikipedia, Montreal Gazette, and the Journal of American Folklore Society, 1894. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.